You're listening to B2B Revenue Acceleration, a podcast dedicated to helping software executives stay on the cutting edge of sales and marketing in their industry. Let's get into the show. Hi, welcome to B2B Revenue Acceleration. My name is Aurélien Moutier, and I'm here today with Todd Abbott, CEO of Insight Squared. How are you doing today, Todd? Doing well. Good to, good to spend some time with you. That's, that's an absolute pleasure. Thanks for coming. Um, so the topic today is quite interesting and actually quite timely because we are looking at data, we are looking at making sense of it. And I think a lot of organizations are doing that, uh, maybe from a privacy perspective, maybe from a, a, a productivity perspective. But the topic that we will tackle today is utilizing data and technology to create scalable sales processes. So that, that's, you know, if we manage to make it work today, people will make millions from listening to that podcast. So that, let us go. On. Um, but before we get into the conversation, Todd, would you mind taking a, a few moments just to introduce yourself in, uh, in a bit more detail, as well as the company you represent, Inside Squared? Yeah, so I've been a sales and marketing exec uh, my, my whole life. been a CRO for the last 25 years or so, uh, mostly in technology sales. Um, spent a number of years kind of learning the trade at IBM and then spent a number of great years with Cisco, uh, where I also spent uh, three years over in Europe, three years in, in uh, Singapore. So I've uh, been kind of a, a global leader for a good, good period of time. Um, I joined uh, Inside Squared uh, 18 months ago. Uh, I had been a three-time customer and uh, they had done an acquisition uh, just prior to my joining after the last company I was with uh, was sold to private equity and, and uh, got exposed to some new technology that just kind of really opened my eyes to, uh, to being able to bring more data into the revenue analytics business. And I uh, thought that I really wanted to be part of the company and help, help bring the next phase of, of the sales and revenue profession to being much more of a science uh, versus what we've historically been. I mean, it's really been much more of an art. Um, yep. And we're now entering a new phase where analytics in the revenue process is now possible like never before. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's dive into it. My first question is around something like the grain. Everybody wants one. Everybody speak about having a, a repeatable, scalable sales process. From your perspective, what are the key elements companies should consider in order to build a scalable sales process? Yeah, I think it's a contextual question depending upon what type of a sales uh, or type of a business you're in. I mean, we're starting to see, or we have seen over the last uh, five, six, seven years, the ability to leverage technology for the repeatable process in what I refer to or what the market refers to as a linear sales process. Think of the shorter sales cycles. Um, and you've had you know, sales sequencing technology that has enabled your BDRs or SDRs to to run a process, you know, make a call, send an email, wait three days, do this, X, Y, and Z. So that linear process, very common in uh, under 30-day kind of sales cycles. And that technology has really uh, helped scale the, the, the top of funnel types of activities and inside sales for those kind of transactions. Yeah. The challenge has been, is in the non-linear sales process. When you get to be a bit longer in sale, larger deals, um, and there, historically, we've all been very much focused on you know, hiring good people, people that know how to sell, right? The art of sales. And what we're now seeing is, is that, that, that the lack of data there is making it difficult to be a repeatable process. Yeah. Um, it's one of the fundamental reasons behind the life of a CRO, the tenure of a CRO in a PEVC-backed company 
It's now 16 to 18 months. Yeah. And it's primarily because they've been unable to forecast that business might be going along really well, then hit a, a tough quarter, but not understand why. And it's because they haven't been able to establish what is that that's that repeatable sales process that requires tight alignment between marketing products, field enablement, and ops. We have never really grounded those cross-functional discussions on actually what happens in the sales process, where your friction is, and how you need to come together as a team to be able to overcome th those friction points and enable your sales process to execute. We haven't really been able to do that because the data has been lacking in the nonlinear sales process. Yeah, yeah, we, we tend to see um, we tend to see companies who are trying but it feels like pushing a square peg in a round hole. So, uh, and what I mean by that is that we've got people who come and say, hey, this is the blueprint of my repeatable, scalable sales process. And the first question we ask them say, okay, well, tell us about the conversion rate. Oh, we don't know. It's an agency that built that for us. So they are coming with like a, a process of saying, okay, we're going to get the meeting, meeting to demo, demo to proof of value, proof of value to contract, contract to close, you know, to, to make it very simple, right? And I agree with you. I think in the transactional commodity type of business, fair enough. You know, you, you speak to someone, you want to convert that conversation to a meeting, that meeting to a proposal, that proposal to uh, a contract, contract to close, and off you go. See you later. That's, that's customer success taking care of you from now. Um, but when it becomes a bit complex, I think we see a lot of organizations who are coming with a blueprint, but they've not tested it, or the blueprint may have been written by someone who is not a salesperson. It could be like a product marketing person and stuff like that. So how do you get started? Because I, get, I guess to, to, to have a repeatable, scalable, you need to have a few cells under your belt. And when you are a newish startup, or let's say even if you've got like 60 customers, let's say, you know, which is, or 50 customers to take a round number, is that enough data? Where, where, where does the data gathering start to be relevant for the, for, for the repeatable, scalable process? Basically, is my yeah. question. You know, it's a, it's a good question. I mean, in order to leverage analytics, machine learning analytics, I mean, you need to have a good sample size, to your point. Typically, it, you need to have uh, ideally 150 to 200 wins under your belt. Yeah. Uh, if you have that many wins, then you have a correspondingly larger number of losses. Um, but when you get to that kind of point, then machine learning technology uh, can be very effective at being much more predictive and analytical of your process. Um, because what, what's, what's important to recognize is that in this revenue process, we talk about getting the data, but what data do we really need to be able to understand the sales process? Because everybody starts with their sales process thinking about the sales stage. What happens at each stage? Yeah. What are the criteria to move from stage to stage? We've been doing this for years and it's still very valid, don't get me wrong. But I think it's going to become less valid in the sense of looking at assessing the quality of a deal in a funnel. And I'll explain in a minute. That's not to say that sales processes aren't going away. They are. They're, I mean, they're going to stay sure. here for a long time because they help with your onboarding and field enablement to help develop the skills at each phase. But actually now with, the, with machine learning and, and, and the data, and the data is customer engagement. Right? There's nothing better to assess the health of a deal than how the customer is engaging with your team. 
If yeah. the value prop is resonating, the customer is going to respond to your team's email. They're going to schedule the next meeting. They're going to look at your attachments. They're going to engage with you because your value prop is resonating. It's worth their investment to learn more. And if you think about a sales process, it's really about a series of meetings and converting to the next week. You're building consensus. You're educating. You're, you're aligning your value prop to the business outcomes they have to ultimately get to a point where the decision maker is now present and a decision can be made. That could be eight meetings, could be 10 meetings, could be 20 meetings, depends upon the length of your sales cycle. But in, in reality, what we haven't been able to get is that level of data. How is the customer engaging with your team? Because if you can get that data, now you can assess very quickly, when does a customer stop engaging? When have you potentially lost that customer? Or to your question, if you understand the sales process relative to the series of meetings and what are the critical meetings, when other people are brought in, the, the, the decision or the influence point becomes bigger. Or if the decision maker is the CRO, typically when does the CRO get engaged? And, and if you understand that level of your sales process, then you can look at deals through your, in your funnel as they're progressing from, from conversion to conversion completely differently than what we've done in the past. Right? How do we today assess the health of a deal? We interrogate the rep. We inspect the deal. How did the last meeting go? Yeah, is, is, is this deal qualified? Do they have the budget? I, you know, the things that we've done for years yeah. and we're relying on being able to get the facts from the rep. In some cases, the rep doesn't know that the fact that that next meeting wasn't scheduled actually indicates that you might, have, uh, you might be losing that customer. It might be going cold. Uh, and so if you understand what data is and then get the data in to be able to quantitatively machine learning assisted, be able to assess every deal, that's game changing uh, 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 machine learning and quantitative analytics on deal by deal as well as your overall problem. So, so I now, having been doing this for a while, like, I don't think about deal stage when I look at a funnel. I look at how many meetings are we, is the next meeting scheduled, what's the engagement level with the customer? And to me, that's like a different way to look at and assess and engage um, and it's pretty game-changing. Yeah, you, you're pretty much speaking about something that is, for, for me, I would almost call it pipeline hygiene because you can see a lot of deals, a lot of conversation, and we've all come across, yeah, there's two types of sales guys. If I take the polar opposite, you've got the very enthusiastic sales guy. Oh my God, I spoke to Todd today. We had a cracking conversation, which means right. basically, I did my presentation to Todd and Todd was moving his head. He was smiling at me and I think I've done well. Right, because and then you've got the, the opposite, which is the case. Oh my God! Yeah, no, 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 nothing, nothing is moving, nothing is moving. I'm gonna put it out there, and I need to wait for the prospect to email me to say that he wants it, to, for me to be convinced that they will want it. So I guess the pipeline agent has always been that issue of, okay, is that a real deal? And and really the role of the of the sales manager or the CRO to uh, to really dismantle and ask question to get to to basically almost create their own story, right? It's almost doing the forensic as a, as a, as a CRO to, to make sure that things are adding up or not. But I guess what you are saying is, forget about that. The painful Monday morning, four hours meetings with the sales team where some people get a dress done, down, some people will get the uploads. You know, forget about it. What you need to do is to look at the stages of the meetings, take it in a different manner. Have you had those three discovery meetings? Is it now leading to a business case discussion? 
who are the people coming at the business case decision and, and basically so so i love that now i'd like to understand a bit more about the data that needs to be gathered and i think that would be also useful for our audience so the, the meetings make sense and, and kind of taking the process away and say well this is this is what the prospect wants you know the way you're going to get this prospect is you engage there and we put the prospect in the center and we actually sell to them based on what we've established their need of buying to be okay i get all that but when it comes to the data i can't really I understand the concept, I see the value, but if I wanted to, and maybe that's your secret, so, so you don't want to speak too much about that, but what data points do you need to collect? Well, so it, it's a good question. I'm happy to talk about it. Um, so there's now technology that is able to, uh, to get all that data because up to this point in time, the, the, the data that is put in CRM, which is the, the database from which you're assessing <clears throat> a deal, is all dependent upon what the rep key punches into the system, right? And CRM was never designed to be a, a territory management tool for the rep. It's not really a rep tool. It's a company tool. It's, it's a database and it's a good workflow engine. But typically reps do not like spending time in, in CRM. It takes too much time. They'd rather be out selling. Uh, and so we don't have the data. So the first thing that is now starting to uh, fundamentally change that dynamic is there's technology that can automatically capture all of the digital engagement, not just with the rep, because you want everybody that's touching your customer, the SC, the overlay, you as a manager. Um, and so our machine learning sits in between the CRM system um, and your email calendaring system. And we'll keep track of all of the digital engagement to and from your customers, calendars, meetings, attachments. Uh, and based upon that contact being in CRM, We'll put that automatically into the system with no administrative burden on the rep. A couple of things. What we've learned is that when we deploy this technology for customers, uh, first of all, we're typically finding that the most coverage you have on the contacts in the account record is about 30%. Right? Reps are horrible at adding contacts. There's just nothing in it for them. They'll put the key, the key decision makers, but there's actually many more people in, engaged in a decision. That's uh, certainly many more as you get into the longer sales cycle. Um, and so, first of all, you've got to make sure you get all the, uh, all the activities. And so the system or all of the contacts, the system will identify when a new contact gets engaged, new email exchange, or somebody's added to a meeting. We'll add that to the system to be able to now collect all of the engagement from that person as well. But I'll also prompt the rep to say, hey, who is this person? If you just started to engage, here's the email, give me the name, give me the title, give me the persona because now you can start to, to hold the rep accountable to a full breadth of context for marketing to be able to be much more effective to market by persona within an account within an ABM structure, right? And then once I have all the context, we're typically uh, adding about 10 times the amount of data that existed in an opportunity uh, with this new activity cap. So now I have all of the engagement level, what's going on before the meeting? Uh, what is the level of engagement? Is it a healthy engagement? Um, and then given that we're, we're doing so many things virtual now, the analytics of the meeting is now also very possible, right? The recording, yeah. transcription, and analytics of the talk tracks. More than just you know, talk time, who talked, but what were the key words? And then what's the engagement after the meeting? I just had a customer uh, that I was engaged in yesterday. Um, here we are at the end of a quarter. 
uh, actually this conversation took place last week and, and I had a follow-up yesterday, but basically I was helping him leverage the machine learning of, is this a healthy deal uh, on a deal that was supposed to be committed this month? Uh, and I was able to show him that there had been like one engagement in the last three weeks of this deal. He had been believing the rep. The rep was saying, yep, it's on track. It's going to come in. And, I, and the system now has the ability to show you, like, no, your reps actually reached out three times. The customers come back once in three weeks. That is not the sign of a deal that's going to close in a week. And so if you, if you can see that graphically, you can very quickly identify the health of a deal without going through the interrogation. The questioning with the rep now is completely different. Like, you said this is a good deal. You haven't heard from the customer in three weeks. The system is kind of doing the interrogation for you. And it's now identifying, I call it the, you know, my BS meter. It's, it's, it's hit the meter that says, I, I, I'm, I'm suggesting that this deal is not helpful. And now it's directing me as a manager to go engage in a different discussion. Um, and so getting all the data in and being able to establish the profile of a winning deal and then benchmarking every deal against that profile, that's the game-changing technology. But the key is you want to give those insights to the rep as well as to the manager. Because when the rep starts to see how a deal compares, they now can be more accountable to what in act, how they're actually presenting the deal. If I can't defend this deal being in the forecast because I haven't heard from the customer for three weeks, four weeks, then I better move it because I can't hide. Yeah. Um, or I can't hold, right? Some people hide. Some people are hoping this deal is going to come in. And hope's never a strategy, right? And so no, to a manager, no, no. he's always luck. Yeah. And it's to, so the reason that the life of a CRO is 16, 18 months is because there's too much hoping that business is going to come in without being able to look at the true health of a funnel statistically. And that's, that's the game-changing aspect of this. You, you can find the, the deals very quickly that are on hope uh, or, or are um, I'm, I'm hiding. Uh, whether it's deals that are not very healthy or deals that are really healthy that are in the upside. Because we also have those cases where, where reps are highly engaged. But I want to hide that one. I'm just going to keep that one in the upside. Well, systems now will expose all of that. So your one-on-one -on -one discussions are not now interrogations. They move to, to being coaching sessions, which is what yeah. the rep wants and what we want as managers. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's, yeah, there is nothing worse than also having someone in your team. And you touched on it. You know, it's kind of creating a blueprint for other sales rep. If you've got someone in your team that is not performing and you can't actually figure out why, it's, it's instead of going through a series of questioning and investigating, and, which is painful for you as a manager, or painful for the rep because they think that they are being you know, dressed down in a way, you could just say, well, look, this is what we should do. This is what you've not done. This is what the level of interaction you need to have. And, and I think it's, uh, it's, it's very interesting. And it as a, one of the things that we've done, we, we've got a relatively small uh, sales team and we've, we've established uh, what we'd like to, maybe not uh, as scalable and repeatable as we would want, but you know, a good process in terms of sales. And, and what we found fundamentally useful is to actually, when you recruit someone, to actually tell them this is what happened. This is our sales process, right? So there is nowhere to hide because these are the conversion rate out of the 200 last deals that took place. So 
So if you don't have a 20% conversion rate here, from there to there, it's one of three issues. Okay, you've not done that, or the prospect got that, or we didn't speak to the right person, or whatever, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So we've got a little narrative as to the, how to sort it. And we put that into a sales playbook, and that's helped us drastically in terms of addressing. But I guess for us, it's relatively straightforward. When you are a much larger company, particularly the companies who are you know, getting investments, 60 million, 100 millions of investments from VC, and you really need to go quickly and really acquire a lot of customers, and you've got 60 salespeople across five different continents going after it, it's, 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 it's a bit more difficult. When you've got five guys to manage, you know, it's, <laughs> things are much simpler and you get one new guy per year, you can really give them the time. Yep. So I guess my, my last question to you really, uh, uh, Todd, is what would you say is the biggest mistake that, or mistakes that companies are, are making when they try to scale their sales process? Um, I think the biggest mistake I see is that, that uh, teams are not spending enough time on early stage funnel conversion. I see, I, I get exposed to a lot of different analytics uh, in my uh, current job because I'm, I'm consulting with customers on their, what I refer to as their advanced sales map, these meeting conversions. And if you think about the early stage funnel or you think about where you win, your win rate is highest as a team in mid to late stage. Um, we as managers tend to spend most of our time on mid to late stage because those are the deals that are going to make the month, going to make the quarter. Uh, and we rely on enablement or marketing to kind of help with, uh, or we assume that reps you know, know how to qualify and discover. Uh, and in reality, if you can improve your conversion rates in the, in the qualification and discovery section, 10, 10%, get more deals into the mid to late stage of the funnel, uh, where your team actually executes the best, the highest conversion rates, it has significant throughput impact. And I find too many customers are not spending enough time on what really happens in the qualification and discovery because you're always selling qualification and discovery. It's not just about asking the, you know, the, the five or six questions, do they have budget? Am I talking to the right guy? What's the business need? Whatever your qualification process is. You have to be selling, again, think back to meeting conversions. As I'm trying to get my information to qualify and assess if it's a good opportunity, I also want to make sure that I'm selling to get the customer to want to learn more. Yeah. And I, I find customers just don't spend enough time on developing those skills that can have significant impact to the throughput later stage when, when your team typically has its highest win rates. And you know, I completely agree with that statement. I think it's, it's sometimes you almost feel like it's a dog barking his own tail. And it's, it's sometimes being a prisoner uh, or like in the jail of, uh, of that on paper, repeatable, scalable process that we don't know if it's repeatable and scalable, but someone writes it down. So this is what we should do. And we've got customers who are, you know, We've got different customers, obviously, and, and some technology are more disruptive than others. And most of our customers who have disruptive technology understand the need for education because it's an evangelist play and you've got to go and get the capex, right? Yeah. But some of the others were maybe a bit more commodity or where their category is growing and maturing. You know, it's, they want a black and white stuff. You know, we, we deliver a, an opportunity to them and they're like, okay, yeah, well, it was a good meeting, but no opportunity. And you can have, okay, so what do you do with it? Because 
you know, I spoke to Todd today. It was like, look, I've got some other stuff to do. This is very interesting. But if I'm speaking to an organization with 5,000 people, should I not just try to go a little bit more? Is Todd the only guy that will make the decision? How many stuff are being bought nowadays with just one person engaged in the sales process? Yeah. Not a lot. Right. Not a lot at all. Um, and I think, I think that I completely agree with you that there is a stage of saying, I think there is a stage of creating the demand rather than qualifying the demand. And there is, if we were to work that way, I think we will educate prospects better. I think we will be in a bit more of a challenger sales type of position. I think we will get prospect to think or rethink. We will, and we would probably, and that's what we do for ourselves. You know, we are selling pipelines. You know, none of our clients before start signing a contract with operatics, none of them have nothing from a pipeline generation perspective. In fact, most of them have something, right? So most of the time when we speak to them, they say, oh, no, I'm not interested, I've got something in place. So we, t- we actually tell them that in the process of trying to get that meeting with them. And so we know that you've got something in place. We know that you don't have budget now, but we believe that we could bring something that can help you to add to the scale that you are creating, add to the acceleration, okay? And people take the conversation because, you know, we've got a way of doing it that is interesting. And then through that conversation, you then realize all the issues when you let them speak that they are facing with their current setup. Yeah, it, and the only it, thing I, that you need to right. do is like a doctor. You just give them the pill at the end. And right. if we were to just qualify them, God, we would speak to no one. We would have no meetings, like because everybody's got something and, and nobody's got budget, particularly last year. I think, you know, it's a good point. I think you, you need to recognize uh, where is your solution on the, on the product market fit scale to determine are you in the lead identification stage of a business or in the lead generation, the demand generation? Um, and I, I deal with a little bit of that in my business in the sense that. Our platform is very broad um, and, and people aren't out there looking for a revenue intelligence platform to, to, to consolidate analytics. And so I'm in the business of identifying what is the demand or the lead identification element of my business. And it's typically forecasting. People are looking for forecasting solutions. And so I have to lead identify people that are looking for help in forecasting. And then once I get them in, I have to then now generate demand for a different buying criteria for a different set of analytics tools that they might not have been or weren't typically looking for. So in some businesses, your solution is has reached that product market fit. It's a known demand in the market and you're in the lead identification stage, which is a totally different business than in the demand generation to educate a market, right? So knowing where you are on that scale fundamentally drives a different marketing strategy in getting customers in the door and then how, what's the playbook to address the immediate need and expand or to educate uh, two totally different ends of the spectrum, right? Yeah, that makes perfect sense, Todd. Well, thanks for that. Thanks for sharing your insight with us today. Um, If anyone wants to connect with you, Todd, uh, discuss how they can make their sales process more scalable and more repeatable or understand more about uh, Inside Squared, what's the best way to get hold of you? Uh, you can uh, email me directly at uh, tabbott, T-A-B-B-O-T-T, at InsideSquared.com or 
hit me up on LinkedIn. Uh, happy to engage with uh, anybody that wants to talk to you this further. That's wonderful. Well, thank you again for your time uh, today, Todd. It was absolutely fantastic to have you on the show. I enjoyed the time. Operatics has redefined the meaning of revenue generation for technology companies worldwide. While the traditional concepts of building and managing inside sales teams in-house has existed for many years, companies are struggling with a lack of focus, agility, and scale required in today's fast and complex world of enterprise technology sales. See how Operatics can help your company accelerate pipeline at operatics.net. You've been listening to B2B Revenue Acceleration. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time. Bye.